Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And I, don't, I guess you can't say rising for today because this guy's been in the music business for years, and you probably know who he is. And he's done some amazing things. I've looked at his resume, and we're going to talk about some of that, and we're going to tell some stories. And let's see where this goes. His name is Tim Tim Appwood. Are you here, Tim? I'm here. Hey, Chris. Hey, Sandy. Hey. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, so how are you doing? Thanks today? for having me on your show. Uh, it's definitely our pressure to to have you on today. We definitely enjoy yeah. this, and we're glad that you had the time to take out of your busy schedule, or however busy you may be right now <laughs> with everything yeah. going on. It's a little bit slow right now. Uh, I haven't worked uh, since like February the 17th or something like that. That's the last time I've on a paycheck. So I've got plenty of oh, downtime. Wow. I'm ready to get back on the road. I definitely, yes. I definitely know that, you know, the good thing is mm-hmm. we run our show from our home. So we could, that didn't need to change. You know, we do, we, we like to get, get away and get out of Savannah for a while and go different places. And, you know, we're like, okay, we, we're ready for things to open back up now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're ready to. They've opened some of the businesses here in Nashville, uh, just a few places, and some restaurants at fifty percent capacity. But I think people are getting cabin fever, man. You know, everybody wants yeah. to get out. I, yeah. I know when this is all over, I'm going to walk up to every man I see and shake his hand, and every woman I see, I'm just going to grab him up and missing handshakes and hugs. Yeah, <laughs> we know the feeling. It's, it's you we know do. we're like we that. We're that. people. Pe- we're people um, person too, and it's like you know, I, just being cooped up is just so much. Mhm. Well, so uh, I, I think yeah. the worst thing that happened to me the other night. I, I was laying in bed with my wife Roxanne, and I started to cuddle up to her, and she pushes me away, and she said, "No, you're supposed to stay six feet away from me." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, <laughs> that's I wonder how many women are actually using that though, you know. Oh no, you gotta be six feet away. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so as we get started here, um tell us a, a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a brief overview of you and some hobbies you like to do outside of music. All right. Well, I'm originally from Peoria, Illinois. I grew up there. Uh, both of my parents were from the South. One of them was from Mississippi, one from Tennessee. So I had Southern parents raised in the North. And uh, But I I had a love for music ever since I can remember. And uh, oh, wow. at 13, I remember I had an uncle that sang a tenor for the Florida Boys Quartet, Tommy Atwood. And I realized at 13, he was making a living just playing music. And I went, that's what I want to do. So that's what I set my sights on. And and then I moved to Nashville in uh, 1976. I had came through and just sat in at a club and Farron Young was there. And Farron said, do you live here? Uh, He said, do you live here? And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, well, you need to move here as quick as you can. We need piano players. So... Without a job, without anything other than a leap of faith, uh, I moved to Nashville and just made a big leap of faith, and it turned out to be the right one. I have been so fortunate 
I worked on the road with Jim Ed Brown and Helen Cornelius and Mel Street and Lynn Anderson. And then I sat at the Grand Ole Opry playing in the house band for about 38 years. So uh, I play with everybody you can imagine. So, yeah, I've, I've had a great life. <clears throat> and that's, you know, and I've seen on your resume thing that 8,500 times at, or over 8,500 times at the Grand Ole Opry. What was that like the first time? Well, the first time, I'll tell you a quick story on that. Uh, I was on the road with Jim Ed Brown, and we were going to work the Opry. It was going to be my first time to work the Opry. Well, the band got together and went to the house piano player at the time, Jerry Whitehurst, and, and t- clued him in for my first time. So they get on the bus and tell me, now if Jerry Whitehurst comes over and puts his hand on your left shoulder, get up because you screwed the whole thing up. And I'm green, I'm 20 years old, and all of a sudden here's Mr. Whitehurst putting his hand on my shoulder, and I'm thinking, well, that was a short-lived career. And uh, wow. he laughed, and he looked at me, and he said, sit your butt down, you sound great, you know. <laughs> so that was, that was the first time I worked. So, but I was scared, but it, I tell you what, it became like a home. I mean, I, I was there every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, I mean, we work a lot. Wow. So music has just been in your blood all basically all your life. It has. Um, when I was six, I started playing drums, taught myself how to play drums. Uh, at seven, uh, I got a plastic guitar for Christmas, and my dad was a guitar player. And at mm-hmm. seven, without even thinking about it, I could tune a guitar by ear. I had heard my dad oh, wow. do it so much that I had an ear for that. And uh, from there, I went on to playing bass and I, mandolin and banjo. And then I, when I got to piano, I went, yeah, this is my instrument. I can see it. It's all in black and white. It makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, I, I've loved music since I can ever remember. I just love music. You know, I always joke that um, Sandy kind of brainwashed me into this music stuff. Because <laughs> back, back 17 years ago when we first married, I was one of these people that my vision was to be a motivational speaker and um, speak in front of thousands of people. And, and I bought into this lie that if you're in your car, you don't listen to music, you listen to motivational audio stuff. I mean, I, I could listen to that all day long back then. She, on the other hand, was this hardcore music person, and all she listens to is music. So we learned mm-hmm. really fast that that was not going to work. So we made a deal to do a 50-50 split type thing where we'll listen to half motivational stuff and half thing. And so here we are many years later. I can't even imagine not being in the music industry now. We've we've been doing New Country Buzz, the relaunch, for 18 months now. But before that, we actually originally launched um, 2014 and shut it down in 2015. But this is how much music has meant to me now. When we shut down in 2015, there was like a hole in my heart. I felt like we gave up on something that was special for the new country buzz idea. And it was like every six months I would look up on GoDaddy and nope, nobody's bought new country buzz yet. Nope. Nobody's bought new country buzz yet. And by the end of 2018, it ate me up so much. I told, I think we need to relaunch. You know, we, we, we have to do this. I feel, feel like we're supposed to do this. So here it is. We're 18 months now into the relaunch, had no idea we were going to do a show. And at the end of last year, we came up with this crazy idea 
let's do the Chris and Sandy show because she was like, are you sure we should use our names? I was like, yeah, Bobby Bones does and Ty Bentley does. Why can't we? <laughs> and and here we, and then here we are. You're our seventy second person since January third. Yes. Well, it sounds like things are going well. Yeah, it's been crazy. So you know, and, it has and, way more than we, we would love, have ever thought at this point. And, and and we love having people like you on because you give us so much insight into the whole music world that really opens us even more. Um, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so what's so what's something unusual about you? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things unusual about me. Uh, you could ask a while ago about like some of my hobbies and stuff. I guess my hobby is cooking. I love to cook, ah. and uh, which oh, is yeah. paying off right now because we're not going out anywhere. So I'm cooking every mm. night. But uh, yeah. that's my hobby. I, I kind of start chopping stuff and. And uh, doing things, and all of a sudden, my mind is nowhere else but in the kitchen. I don't think about all the troubles going on outside. But uh, right, yeah. I'm trying some other weird things about me. I don't know. I'm semi OCD. I think sometimes I do the same thing <laughs> over and over. But, but uh, no, I, I I have a great life. I've got uh, my wife and I've been married. Uh, it'll be 18 years uh, this well this month, wasn't it? No. Oh, wow. 17 years. Yeah, sorry. Huh? Uh, we got you a little bit because we'll, we'll, be, we'll be 18 in October. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> well, we have that. And then we've got a little dog named Jazz, and we've got a, a cat, a one-eyed cat. This cat's I don't know what he did to his eye, but he's only got one eye. He's our monocular cat. But uh, we, we just live here in the I call my house Atwood Wood. You got Hollywood, Dollywood, <laughs> and Atwood Wood. Two of those places make money. No, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, you know, you've been in the music business for so long. What drives you now? Because, of course, it's got to be different than what drove you at the beginning. Well... Yeah, I, I think what happened was when I moved to Nashville, my only goal at that time was hopefully to be able to get on the road with a star and play in the band for the star. And uh, mm-hmm. I did that within uh, two weeks of coming here. I went to work with Mel Street two weeks after I got here. And then Jim Ed and, and Lena Anderson and all that. And then I realized I had to reset my goals. So I worked mm-hmm. at the Opry for mm-hmm. those years. In the house band, and then uh, I got tired of looking at everybody else's butt. I decided I <laughs> wanted to be out, so uh, I started this solo career, and uh, it's been so cool, man. I I can't tell you how much I enjoy it, uh, especially mm-hmm. you know traveling and meeting people and stuff, but also coming up with new music all the time. It's just like I said, I am living the dream. That's all there is to it. And very few people get to say that, and 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 a lot of it has to do with people not quitting. Because I, I, we watch a lot of people in the music business, and it's a tough business for anybody to make it, especially nowadays. And from what I've seen out there, it seems like if you the the people that make it are the ones that outlast the others. Yeah, that's that's true. I've been around a long time. My time should be coming up any day now. But uh, <laughs> but I no I, I guess like with me I 
I've always wanted to be out front and entertain. And working the mm-hmm. Opry, I watched what I consider to be the real entertainers, the Porter mm-hmm. Wagners, the Roy Acuffs, Jeannie Seavies. These people entertain. <laughs> Bill Anderson, they're entertainers. They're going to sing you a song. They're going to tell you a joke and tell you a story. And that's what I like about it because I love telling jokes and I love to share <laughs> Opry stories and all that kind of stuff. And then I love to sing and love to play. And But I like to hear people laugh almost as much as I like to hear them clap. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we can definitely tell that, you know. You know, and yeah. our and my our partners that we kind of partnered with uh, we, another podcast called Sports Guys podcast. Brandon, he already told me. He says, just be ready to laugh because I, I guess you went on his show last year. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's like we were talking the other day. I told Roxanne, I said, you know what? We've been quarantined. I've got one wife. And then I got to thinking about Osama bin Laden. He was quarantined for five years, and he had three wives. I'm not so sure he didn't call the Navy SEALs himself. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> so, you know, of all the venues you've played, what's been some of your favorites? And tell us some stories of each one. All right. Um, I've worked so many stages, it's just hard to, to remember all of them. Yeah. Uh, one, I'll tell you what, the one that means the most to me is the Ryman. Um, that's where the Opry basically, that was the mm-hmm. big start of the Opry. Yeah. And uh, when you work at Ryman Auditorium, I don't know, they didn't have it acoustically engineered, but whoever mm-hmm. built that building knew how to build it because you can stand on the center of that stage and just say a word, and every every seat can hear the word just by talking. You don't even need a PA system. It's just oh, a, wow. an incredible venue. But uh, and then there's some other ones that I enjoyed. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I think <laughs> one of my favorites was with Jim Brown. We were in uh, we were on flatbed trucks out in the middle of Massachusetts. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the tires went flat on the trailer. <laughs> so there's all kinds of things. <laughs> I mean, it's bad to have one, but for all. Oh, yeah. What yeah. in the world? Yeah. And uh, there was one other stage I do remember. In St. Louis, there was a place called the Barn Dinner Theater. And we worked up there for a week with Jim, Ed, and Helen. Well, you set mm-hmm. up in the round, and so uh, Jim and Helen are in the center and all the bands on the outside. Well, we get ready to do the gig that night, and I'm set up, you know, and I'm looking, and as I sat down, there's this beautiful woman to the right of me, and uh, I'm sitting there. We're playing. All of a sudden, I look down, and there's a guy sitting there. And I went, what in the world? The stage was turning, but it was turning so slow you couldn't feel it. So when I look back to wake up that beautiful girl, there's some big hairy-legged guy looking back at me. <laughs> oh, man. That, that is crazy. I can't even imagine that. You know, you, you just feel you don't feel yourself moving. And then, you know, all of a sudden you see a whole different audience and you don't even know what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what would be one of the craziest things that's happened? And let's keep it PG. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. you, out, yeah. you know, 
you know, <laughs> but one of the craziest things that's happened in your years of just something – it could be something bad. It could be something funny, but just something that, that happened that you're like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that happened that I, I never would have thought would happen just – it always sticks in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Anna Nicole Smith came to the Opry one night, and mm-hmm. she was out there, mm-hmm. and the dancers asked her to dance with them on stage, the square dancers. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. wow. When she spun around, she had on like a gold thong, and I went, Roy Acuff is turning over in his grave right now, knowing <laughs> that's on his stage. But, I mean, things like oh, that that happen, you're going, oh, my gosh, nobody else will ever see that, you know. One more one was I actually played on the Opry one night with Barry Gibb mm-hmm. of the Beatles, and we were doing jive talking on the Opry, and, and I, it was cool. It was just a cool thing. I love rock and roll music as much as I love country. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so cool to be playing with Barry Gibb, you know. Uh, those are two oh, instances wow. that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, wow. Uh, so when you look back on your career so far um, that you've had, what are some moments where you're – now let's go for the really positive – where you're like, wow, I actually got to – because I've seen you won several awards in the last few years that, that sounds like really mean something to you. What are some moments, special moments that's happened to you through your years? Well, those awards moments are, are really nice to be recognized. Um, I think a lot of my heart, uh, I love going out and working uh, like uh, nursing homes and uh, mm-hmm. assisted living places. I really enjoy doing that. And, you know, uh, God gave me a gift and I want to share it. And that's a great place to do it. Those people want to hear the music. And uh, but I, I do I enjoy doing that. Those are the moments that really matter to me, you know. Um, wow. I remember I went to church one time, and this little boy came up, and he put a dollar in my hand, and he goes, "You were great." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this little kid could use this dollar, and he came up and gave it to me because I inspired him. <laughs> wow. Things like that that just touch my heart, wow. you know. I'm just an old softy, I guess. <laughs> that shows the power <laughs> of music. I mean, it's just yeah. it's a such a powerful thing, and and I think that you know when we first married, I didn't understand the power of music back then. I mean, I do now. I mean, I, there are songs yeah. that that just make put me to tears when I. I mean, I'm an emotional guy, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I tell you, it's been a blessing to to get to talk to so many different people around the music industry, and and I just I, I really didn't understand how much music can move people until the last like six years. It's crazy. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, music has always moved me, but I do believe, uh, I think you had said before that you were in it for a while and you were out of it for a while, but, but there's just something about the music business. It's like a big mm-hmm. family, man. And, yeah. uh, I actually don't think that people that get into the music business never get out. They may not be working all the <laughs> yep. time. As far as they're concerned, mm-hmm. they're still in the music business, man. So, yeah, I get and, it, you know. And, and I love what you said about the family because I get that 
that sense from Nashville because even though we haven't been up there, we've got so many friends based in Nashville now that will get, give their shirt to us if we need it. Uh, like, for instance, we had um, – I guess it was about six months ago. And, I, and, of course, since we're in Savannah, I have a lot of Savannah friends too. So about six months ago, I posted on Facebook, does anybody have an extra podcast mic? And I was really looking for someone locally that I can just swing by if they had an extra woman laying around. One of my Nashville friends private messaged me, says, I've got one. What's your address, and I'll mail it to you. Wow. And that How cool showed, is <clears throat> That showed me. The, and that, that was probably about a month before the big tornadoes. That kind of showed me the, what, what Nashville really is about. And then when the tornadoes hit, that's when I really saw the power of Nashville. It's a great city. Uh, it has grown so much since I got here. I got here in 1976. So uh, it was still a, a small, big town, you know. And uh, now this city has grown. Now it's a big, small uh, town. Has, yeah, now it is. It really is. <laughs> um, still, uh, I mean, when I moved here, I probably knew 75% of the musicians that lived here because we all were that tight and close. And uh, I went downtown. My son plays in a band downtown, and uh, I went down to see him one day, and I just walked through all those clubs I used to play and stuff and didn't know one soul in there. And then the other thing I noticed about it was I look like a grandpa compared to these kids on stage. I mean, <laughs> and they're all good. You know, they're all great. But, but wow, it's just uh, it's changed a lot, but uh, it's, it's a city with heart, that's for sure. Yeah, and I always like to, when we get to this point, I always like to flip the script a little bit. We talk a lot of positive stuff. I want to kind of go the other way now a little bit because yeah, there's a lot of sacrifice to music and a lot of struggles. And I want to tell, I want to tell a little small story of, what, of where I want this to go. <clears throat> we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steele Girls back in 2014. And one, of the que- and the, one of the questions I asked her was what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist, because at that time, her and her daughter were full-time with music. And um, she said, coming, she goes, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time in music. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, please go do that and keep music as a hobby. She goes, this, she went on to explain it. She goes, the sacrifices we have to make. She goes, our families have to sacrifice. We have to sacrifice. We have to eat different. We have to sleep different than everybody. If we have a really, really, really bad day, but we have a gig that night. It doesn't matter. We cannot show it on that stage. She goes, there's, and then the rejections that we, we all go through, there's so much that we have to go through. She goes, but if your heart won't allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because that's the only way that those sacrifices will be worth it. What do you think about what she said? And let's go that side of it a little bit. You know what? <clears throat> I, I, I can hear that. And the fact that uh, you actually, they told me one time, find mm-hmm. a profession you like that you would do for free and do mm-hmm. that as a profession. And music was that for me. Uh, like I said, I know I'm in the business. I know I work. But to me, I, I, I just it's not play. like a job. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> you, no, you it, it, it doesn't seem like a job. I mean, I don't care. I mean, 
hurry up and wait. You do a lot of TV shows. Get there at 1 o'clock. Well, you know, you're going on at one thirty. Well, the next thing you know, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and you got to <laughs> hurry up and wait on things, you know. You, you find yeah. those, those are little frustrating things, mm-hmm. but when it mm-hmm. comes right down to it, I don't think I could do anything else. I really don't. This is all I've ever known, and uh, I'm being a loss, you know. Yeah, and I totally get that because I can't see us doing anything else outside of this show and our whole new country media idea. Because I, you know, I remember many times you watch on um, interviews with the big artists, and the hosts are always taken aback on this. You almost, you always hear the host. One of the questions I've noticed that they always ask is, "If music didn't work, what would you be doing right now?" And all, and ninety percent of the answers is, is, that that I've seen has been, "I'd just be a broke musician." And the host is always like, "What do you mean? Um, you didn't you didn't have a plan B?" And they're like, "No, this was it." <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I don't have anything to fall back on. But. <laughs> and that's kind of where we are with this. Again, you know, we, we might be five years in down the road and be like, oh, we're still broke. But you know what? We're doing something special. <laughs> yeah, do what we love. <laughs> the saying makes you happy. Hey, man, that's a big part of getting through this world is staying happy and staying up. <clears throat> and I really feel like it's a God God tug. Like I said, you know, we've you know since we married, we we've um, we live a little different marriage than a lot of people. We we've been a twenty four seven couple basically since the day we married for seventeen years, and we've always had this idea, this utopia idea, that we would like to find some way to bring us together in one under one roof type thing that we could really love. And so through the years. We tried all these different business ideas, and that many, most of them flopped. <laughs> Some made a little money, but most flopped. You know, I mean, we've been failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. But then I, I yeah. still had this idea that I wanted to be this motivational speaker. And but Sandy, I think would have. I don't think she would have liked that idea. I mean, she was willing to stand by me with it, but she did not want mm-hmm. to do it. And so I really feel like God shifted our thinking, or at least my thinking a little bit, to say, you know what? You can still do what you've always dreamed of doing, but you can make it in a way where now Sandy's included, and that's where the show came from. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, I can hear where you'd be a motivational speaker. You've got a great voice <laughs> for it, man. I'm telling you. you got the excitement <laughs> in there, and I'm really good. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's great. I I know that God has played a big hand in what I'm doing. I mean, I started mm-hmm. out playing mm-hmm. gospel music when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. From the age of 13 to 17, I played in a gospel music group, and uh, I've always played in churches my whole life. And uh, I do mm-hmm. believe he's had his hand over me many, 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 many times. And I'm very thankful for it. And I'm thankful for each opportunity to wake up every day and, and look at this beautiful world. Yeah, and and I love yeah. and this one thing I really love about what we do. You know, granted, you know, and I and it's probably why I love country music so much is well, what is that? You know, when we're talking to people, the a lot of the artists don't have a problem giving God the credit for where they are. You know, a lot of the other genres you don't hear that, but in country music right. you hear that, and I love that. 
Yeah, it, I every day I get up and I do a devotional uh, for about an hour and a half. Every morning I sit there and I sit quietly. And uh, I don't know, it just makes my day start a little nicer. And uh, I, I'm, I'm giving credit to where the credit's due. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. There's been times that I'm just amazed. I've, you know, I've, I've spent many years as an alcoholic, a functioning alcoholic, literally yeah. just staying, you know. And uh, then one day it was like God said, okay, you're done. And it was like he turned off a light switch. And I know I quit exactly drinking. the feeling. It was just like, it was just instantaneous. And I felt free. This burden had been lifted. Yep. And uh, it just, it's amazing. And, and my whole attitude and outlook changed on everything immediately. I'm a lot more up and a lot more happy, you know. Yeah. And I love mm-hmm. what you just said. Because um, I went through 19 years of addictions. And the first five yeah. years of our marriage, it was hell for my wife. Because the first five years, I still had those addictions, and I treated her badly, bad, I mean really bad. And it was um, – I never cheated and never hit her, so I, we did, I didn't cross those lines. But I cross a lot of lines that I'm not proud of. But she hung in there. She, she always uplifted me. You know, so, so many people say I walked – she allowed me to walk over her, and I have to stop them. No, she allowed me to experience God's pure love through her, and because of that, God was able to – she was able to melt my heart enough to listen to God because December 26, 2007 was when God told me I was healed from drinking, and, I, and I've been sober for over 12 years now. You know what? Those, that's great. I love to hear those kind of stories. Uh, I know that uh, Roxanne uh, – mm-hmm. I look back at all the stuff that I put her through. It was just uh, – and at the time, you're not worried about anybody else. You're worried about you having a good time. And you're not yeah. concerned with anybody's feelings or, or anything like that. And uh, Roxanne, it's amazing she's still with me today because I was a holy terror, buddy. I was legendary. <laughs> uh, actually, one of the things that helped me, too, uh, I had got to the point where I actually had a gun to my head. And uh, Roxanne stopped me. And uh, anyhow, I ended up passing out, and she called Buck White of the Whites, and uh, he was the godliest man she knew. So she called Buck White to come (laughs) home, you know. Well, there's a knock on the door. I'm in the bedroom. I'm kind of half in, half out. And uh, Buck White came in, and Ricky Skaggs came in. They came in the door, and Ricky come to get me. I said, I'm not going out there. Well. I eventually came out, and uh, Ricky and Buck, I mean, they prayed for me. Uh, Buck went all around the house with oil and put cr- the symbol of the cross on all of our windows, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. but they had been praying for me, and, and uh, that that was a big beginning. It made me go, wow, yeah. uh, like that care enough about me to show up, and, uh, and so if they care enough, then I should care enough about me. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, your story sounds like mine almost because I remember December 26, 2007, I woke up that morning. And I remember for the first time I realized I was drunk on Christmas Day. Even though I've been drinking a lot and I still love God, I would at least honor, you know, Easter and Christmas. I would never drink on those days. For the first time in my life, I did that. 
and I'm sitting there. I remember waking up that morning and reaching out to God, saying, "Look, I can't. You know, I'm about to. I'm destroying my my wife here. Something's got to give." And I told him, I was I was like, "Either I'm going to take my life, or you take the desire away. One of one of the two's got to happen." And I remember feeling like he – and this is the part I didn't understand then, which I understand now. I remember feeling like he's, he's saying, I got you. Give me 30 days. And now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going crazy. Not only am I an alcoholic, but now I'm going crazy. I'm hearing God tell me, give me 30 – what are you talking about? Give you 30 days. You know, you're God. You know? uh, and then I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> is that the enemy saying this? Now, I'm really freaking, but I wanted to believe that. And I didn't understand it then, but what I understand now is when you look all through the Bible, every miracle was preceded by some type of obedience to God. That was my obedience, to stay sober for 30 days. If I did that, he would heal me for the rest of my life from that. And about the 28-day mark was the last time I ever felt any desire for alcohol and drugs. Well, God bless you. That is awesome. That's a great story. Very similar. Is that so? When you told yours, I was like, "Oh man, that that is you know we're like one and the same here." And it's funny because you know we've been married seventeen years, y'all been married seventeen years. So I'm like, "Man, this is like this." I, I feel like this is God lighting us up together right now. Yeah. I think so too. <clears throat> but, uh... So so we're so we're going to take a small commercial break, and then we're going to come back and play your song, Mom. And we're going to talk about that. And I tell you what, that song put me to tears. Wow. Oh yes, both of us. So when people hear that in just a minute, they're you know get your tissues ready. So mm-hmm. how's that sound? So hang on just a second, and then we'll be back in shortly. Hey everyone, we have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a backstage pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The backstage pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. This is a story of a conversation between God and an unborn child. A little baby told God, Hey, I'm kind of scared. Not sure if I really want to go down there. From here it looks like a little blue ball. But it's a great big place. And I'm so small. Why can't I stay here with you? Did I make you mad? 
don't you want me to? And God said, oh child, you know I do. But there's somebody special waiting for you. Hush now, baby, don't you cry. Cause there's someone down there waiting Whose only goal in life Is making sure that everything's gonna be alright A special angel, tender, tough and strong Come on child, it's time to meet your mom Now when she's talking to you, you better listen close, cause she's gonna teach you everything you'll ever need to know, like how to mind your manners, how to love and laugh and dream, and she'll put you on the path that'll lead you back to me. Hush now, baby, don't you cry Cause there's someone down there waiting Whose only goal in life Is making sure that everything's gonna be alright A special angel, tender, tough and strong Come on, child, it's time to meet your mom. That gets me every time, that song. Oh, yes, what a powerful song. It's a great song. Uh, when I heard it, I just couldn't believe it. It took me about five different tries on different stages before I could get all the way through it. And now it has an existential meaning to me because uh, we just had a new grandbaby three weeks ago. Her name oh, was Phoenix. And uh, she is uh, nine pounds, 3.5 ounces, I found out yesterday. And uh, oh, but, uh, congratulations. she's just a doll baby. But yeah, thank you. But that that song now makes me think of her, you know. And I always <laughs> yeah. think of my mom whenever I do this too. My mom, uh, she passed away in 2011. I always loved to have it. I look forward to my birthday because my mom would always call and mm-hmm. sing to me on my birthday, and that was the most oh. special thing for me every year. And my mom was absolutely, without a doubt. The worst singer everybody anybody's ever heard. She was terrible. Mm-hmm. She said happy birthday in <laughs> different keys at once. But that's what made it so beautiful. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and and of course we you know, we got an eight year old, but we also got a one year old. I guess she's what, fourteen months now. She's fourteen and, months, yes. And we're like, you know, when we heard that song it made us think of them two. And then, of course, right. my mom, she passed away in 2003, 
And I can rem- I put her because of my addictions. I put her through a lot too, being a mom. And I but I can remember that at her funeral, uh, my grandma came, and this is when I knew because we when Sandy and I married, we we went through everything fast. She was in Kentucky, I was in Georgia. We met online in 2002, February 2002. We met on online. February 4th, we talked on the phone for the first time. So February 18th, we set a wedding date. <laughs> And then March 4th, we met in person. So we actually was getting to meet who we were going to marry. We already knew he was marrying. And we mm-hmm. moved so, – and then October 5th of 02 was when we actually married, so we, that was the date we set. But I remember at the funeral, my grandma came up to us, and this is when I knew why, one of the reasons why we um, – that God brought us together, and so quick, that um, my grandma said to Sandy – she thanked her, and Sandy was like, well, what for? And she goes, because the last six months of my daughter's life, she kept telling me how she's been the happiest she's ever been since Sandy's been involved in it. So we know that God brought us together to give my mom her last six months of happiness. That That's awesome, man. I, my mom was my best friend. I mean, she really was. We <laughs> Laughed and everything, and uh, well, you know what? It sounds like mm-hmm. y'all were supposed to be together. God put y'all together for a reason. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our whole story's been like our whole life has been like that. When we look back, we're like, it has. We, we always pinch ourselves because, again, you know, not too many couples can can stay married and be a twenty four seven couple for seventeen years, but here we are, seventeen years later, happier and more excited about marriage, life and all that than we've ever been. Yes, yeah, we love it. Roxanne and I both, I mean, we're together pretty much twenty four seven. she uh she does a lot of different mm-hmm. things. She's a, a mm-hmm. television producer, writer. Oh well. Uh she authored uh, Becky Brown Jim Ed Brown's widow's book. She wrote that book. And uh, but like I said, uh, she's very talented. Matter of fact, the other day she wrote a song, and mm-hmm. we videoed it here. Uh, we worked on it together, and uh, anyhow, we wrote a song called "The Non-Essential Working Worker Blues," and oh, we wow. put it on a little wow. video. And Roxanne put it out, and as of right now, there's been eighty-six thousand people have seen this video. It was, oh, it was wow. just us set up room but she wrote the majority of the song she and i wrote the song together and uh that's, that's a big number for me to get that many people viewing anything that i've ever done so that's a big <laughs> so, but yeah lots of and i are together 24 7 too and uh i never get tired of her you know i've never thought about divorce i've thought about murder <laughs> but i've never thought about divorce <laughs> and, you, and you know what that that's something that we have um had to deal with through our years of marriage is um, one of the big things because people don't understand this kind of dynamic. I know you do now, but people don't right. understand this. So we, we all, we're almost like an outcast. I mean, even at church, we go, we go, of course we go to a great church and all that, but when we're in, like, it's like we never fit in like small groups because of course they want to split up and do different things. And they want men to be with men, women to be with women they're like, well, I can't couples be with couples, you know, and, and they don't mm-hmm. understand it. So we've always felt like an outcast because of the way we live. And it's funny because the only industry, profession, 
community, whatever you want to call it, that has accepted us like this has been the music industry. And I think I know why, because a lot of people are like you. A lot of married couples that, that are married or when a person that comes on the thing, it's that they might not be a 24-7 couple, but they are close to it. So a lot of couples we've noticed in the music business spend a lot of time together. And, and apparently that's where we're supposed to be in the music business. <laughs> that's where we're accepted. Yeah. You know what? You're right about that. I know that T. Graham and his wife, Sheila, they're together all the time. Roxanne and I are together all the time. T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang, they're together all the time. And I mean, uh, it's just, uh, I do think that the music business is very couple friendly, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. like you, I, I used to have guys uh, call me and say, hey, you want to go play golf? And I said, well, can Roxanne go drive the cart? And they said, well, <laughs> we just wanted the guys to go. And I said, well, you guys have a good time. Let me know how you did. I, I want to stay home with Roxanne. So that's, oh, that's, so that's awesome. what we do. Yeah. That's really cool. And I can tell you're big in the family. So because we're big in the family, one thing we like to do is bring little Chris on. He, he always likes to ask one question. We, we are a family affair show. So Sandy's going to get him on real quick. All right. <laughs> and when Caitlin gets old, a little older, we'll be having her included um, asking the question, too. <laughs> what a great family yeah, here, show. Yeah, yep. here he is. Here's Christopher. Hi, Tim. What's your favorite food? Hi, Christopher. My favorite food is chili. I like chili. I don't care if it's hot, cold, it, it hot, mild. It don't matter. I just love chili. That's my favorite food. What's your favorite food? A pizza. Oh, pizza. I love pizza, too. That's great. <laughs> yeah, he could eat it. Okay, bye. Yep. <laughs> so he comes okay, and goes quick. <laughs> yep, he comes and goes quickly. <laughs> he loves it. You know, but he loves be part of it. That's so he funny that up. he did that. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's <laughs> funny? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say what's so funny is the way he got off that quick. My granddaughter, who's now 18, she used to live mm-hmm. down the uh, in Shelbyville, which is a pretty good ways away. But we would call mm-hmm. and talk to her. She was about three, four years old. And she'd be mm-hmm. talking to us, and we'd be talking right away. And all of a sudden, she said, yeah. okay, love you, bye. And that's, you know, it's hang up. I mean, she was that I quick with <laughs> And to this day, our whole family, when we talk to each other, right before we hang up, we go, love you, bye. And they just hang up real quick. <laughs> Oh, that was, it's great. <laughs> That's like when we dropped little Chris off uh, in the children's ministry at church. He would never even look. I mean, and he's done this since little. Never looked oh, yeah, back. Oh, yeah, goes in there. Mm-hmm. In fact, if we if we try to look, he goes, no, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. He's independent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's like, bye, mom and dad. See this lady from Valiant's look. It's like, leave me alone. <laughs> and and because we've been hitting, fa- yeah, and because we've been hitting family and all that. One thing I do like to mm-hmm. also ask about is, um, as you know, when people see an artist out there, they see the artist, but in reality, you're multiple people because you got PR teams, you've got producers, you've got. You know, you've got managers and all that, but people don't get to see that. And and most shows don't 
or not long enough to really talk about that. So that was one thing I wanted to make different on our shows. I want people to artists to be able to tell about their team. So tell us a little bit about your team that helps you be who you are. This is going to be a short conversation because mm-hmm. because Roxanne is the only person I got working for me. Um, <laughs> no, actually, we got, uh, I've got a PR guy, uh, Jeremy Westby from 2911 Productions, and Scott Sexton, uh, who mm-hmm. also works there, and it's Roxanne. And they do all the stuff. Roxanne, honestly, uh, we'll get ready to do a show, and I'll just say, make me out a show list. I don't even, mm-hmm. honestly, I play and sing, and anything else you see done, Roxanne. She does everything. Wow. And, uh, wow. I, I couldn't do it without her, man. <laughs> yeah. yes. you, 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 can't, you, couldn't, you couldn't mess your marriage up because you wouldn't, you'd be lost. You got that right. Same with us. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, Sandy and I joke about this all the time too, because you know, again, we're a twenty-four-seven couple. You know, there's just not other. There's just there's. If you want someone to connect with, you're just not going to find somebody that wants to do twenty-four-seven in this day and time. <laughs> That's true in most cases. <laughs> so, so we've set the bar so high that we'd, ne- we'd never, we'd just have to be single rest of our life if one of us mm-hmm. messed it up. With Absolutely. Uh, and I, it always gets me every so often. I'll go somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I like I go to the grocery store by myself. The first person that knows me walk up and go, "Where's Roxanne?" It's like we're <laughs> supposed to be together. <laughs> we yeah. yep that, that, like um we've been in the business community in savannah for years and we did a, and before caitlin and Lil chris come along we were at every event together and the same thing would happen to us where if, if she couldn't go for some reason i'd go to an event where's sandy and and you yeah. know and people would enter and people would always tell each other that's the couple you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so we we we're not in. And I always try to tell people, you know, I never wanted a woman that wanted independence. I wanted a woman that wanted interdependence because big there's a big difference there. I wanted someone that was on the same page as I was and that wanted to build some type of legacy together. Because I think that in this day and time, and it's always been this way, but really is even more, where I think the biggest divider in families right now is time. And I think people are realizing that because this whole coronavirus has, I think, pulled families back together, and they're finally coming to – a lot of them are finally coming to grips. Wow, this is what I needed. We needed back together. And I think that if, if there's anything good that does come out of this coronavirus, it's that. Yeah, I, I thought that same thing. Uh, people are nicer to each other right now, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the thing that – uh, I don't think the world will ever go back the way that we knew just a few months ago. It's not going to go back mm-hmm. to that because it's just going to, but it also makes everybody think of the other person, which is what you're supposed to be doing anyhow. Uh, think yeah. of your neighbor mm-hmm. as yourself. You know? And uh, I, I just feel like that once they do get this cleared up, I hope everybody remembers where we've been and remember that going forward. You were looking mm-hmm. out for me six months ago. You should be looking out for me six months down the road, too. We look out for each exactly. other, and we got each other's backs. 
And uh, I just feel like I hope I, I think a lot of people turn to God. I really do. Yeah. Uh, that, that has not for a long time. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden they go, wait a minute. This is where my uh, bread and butter for, for life and light. Uh, that's where you get it at. Uh, you know, you got to have like you go to church and you with organized people, but also mm-hmm. just, you know, just a few standing around where three are gathered, man. It's just, yeah. I just, I hope people yeah. remember what we've been through and continue on with that kind of love. Exactly. So if you could co-write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And what would you want to write about? Whoa. <laughs> there, there's a question I've never been asked. So I've never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, uh, the guy I would love to write with is a guy named Mac McAnally. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mac oh, McAnally yeah. has written some really big hits. Uh, I've loved his solo stuff from the uh, late 70s. That's where I got into McAnally. Uh, he plays mm-hmm. guitar for uh, Jimmy Buffett on the road. Oh, well. Uh, but he's got his own solo career. But uh, mm-hmm. to me, he's probably, uh, he's my favorite songwriter of all time. Oh, well. I mean, just the, some of the things he writes and the way he comes up with twists and words. Um, matter of fact, I cut one of his songs on the new CD I'm working on now. We got in before we had to separate and went in and cut some tracks for the new CD. And one of the songs that he had was called uh, Come On If You're Coming. It's about waiting on your wife or when you're getting ready to leave. Come on if you're coming. <laughs> and it just knocked me out. But like I said, McAnally wrote that. My, uh, Mac McAnally is by far my favorite songwriter. Wow. That is really cool. That's that. I'm about to look him look him up. Yes. <clears throat> so what of yep. all the songs you've written, what's the one song that means the most and why? Well, we've written a, a couple of them. Uh Roxanne and I have written one and a couple. Matter of fact we got a new one song that she and I wrote on the new C D coming out. But uh I think the one song that I've written that really means a lot to me, um, there was a term that was going around for a month. Hey, man, that's mm-hmm. how I roll. No, that's just who I am. That's just how I roll. Well, I wrote this song called That's How I Roll. And uh, I recorded it and uh, got a lot of good response and things like that. And then one day, Jeannie Seeley calls me up. Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, Atwood, I'm going to cut your song. And I said, yeah. I said, which one? She said, that's how I roll. I said, that's awesome. How cool is that? And she said, oh, yeah, by the way, we're doing it as a duet. It's me and Lori Morgan. We're going to sing this oh, wow. song as a duet. Wow. I don't know. Wow. How cool is that? And then she says, and we couldn't find a guitar player, so we had to call Vince Gill. So Vince Gill's playing guitar. So I think that's the song that really brings me happiness. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, one cool thing is um, talking about Vince Gill, we actually interviewed his daughter recently. Jenny Gill. Yeah, yeah Jenny. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun interview. That 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 was pretty interesting. <laughs> but you know, speak, yeah. speaking of Vince. So, um what the you know, even though you are kinda where you want to be right now, we all gotta have a vision. It doesn't matter how big, how small you are, you always gotta have a vision of where you're going. And I'm saying it in this one. I'll explain to him in a minute why I'm asking it this way. But if you could do, where would you be in five years 
for sure you would be there. And the reason I'm asking it kind of in that way is this past February, we interviewed, um, made the five-year anniversary of us interviewing Kelsey Ballerini, and, the, and we asked her that exact same question. And what she told us is what she's living right now five years later. We still think that's pretty cool. I mean, she was like on it. She's, you know, almost everything that she said. So if all bets were off, and as you know, no matter how big, how small somebody is, if they don't have that vision, then they're going to end up dying on the inside. So what is your vision? Where would you be in five years? Well, I I would like to, I'm like her. I I feel like right now is a great spot. Uh, One goal that I do have and uh, like I said, I worked at Grand Ole Opry from 1976 till 2014. And uh, I worked in the mm-hmm. band. I played behind all these people, which was great. But one of my goals is to be able to go out on that stage as an entertainer, not a musician, mm-hmm. but as an entertainer, yeah. be able to get on that stage and perform uh, in front rather than being a background guy. Uh, I want to be mm-hmm. out front at the Grand Ole Opry. I will feel like my life would have come full circle, <laughs> you know. And so I guess that, that's a goal. But uh, I'm like, I'm like, Kelsey, I'm kind of like, uh, I like where I'm at now. I just, right now, I wish it was more work, but d- don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think that I really like what I'm doing, and uh, but I do have little goals like that. I'm being inducted into the Atlanta Country Music Hall of Fame oh, wow. in November, which is, is kind of awesome. odd because it's in Illinois, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And, and also, I'm going to be at the North American Music uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, I forget exactly what it is. I'll have to ask Roxanne. I told you, I don't know nothing. <laughs> Roxanne knows everything. <laughs> but I'm being uh, entered into that, which, uh, like I said, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just thrilled to be able to to be able to do what I do. And but uh, yeah, just a few goals in mind, and yeah, hopefully just really keep awesome. on rock. Mm-hmm. So if you had a friend, let's say, and they and you heard them sing and play, and let's say that you could tell they got something special, they got a really good tone, they do have something special, and you can tell this. And they and let's say this is this would be pre-COVID advice, of course, but let's say they've played ten, twenty shows so far, so they haven't they, so they have, they're still getting their feet wet, but they've gotten on stage, and they come to you and they say, you know what? I feel like I've got I've got that stage bug that every artist set talks about that they get when they get on that stage. I've got it. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. What advice would you give that specific person? Guide them the next two, three, four years. Well, I, I think the main thing is is having confidence in yourself and never never give up. That's the whole that's the whole mm-hmm. point of the whole thing. Don't ever give mm-hmm. up. I mean, you may be knocked mm-hmm. down, knocked down, knocked down, but at some point, uh, I, you've got something that nobody else has. We're all individuals, and you've got something that somebody else does not have. So I just, mm-hmm. uh, I think persistence is is the biggest thing I could tell them. You know, uh, just be persistent, and uh, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But honestly, that, that's just it. You know, just yeah. Uh, be kind to people. Uh, they always say be kind to the people you meet on the way up because you're going to meet the same people on the way down. 
So true. But that's not true. It's not true. It's a whole different crowd <laughs> on the way down. I. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I guess that's true too, though. <laughs> you know, I remember when we first started the show. Um, in fact, the guy that gave me the podcast, like he gave me some advice. So I asked him, "What advice would you give us as we start the show?" And I think this is great advice for no matter who you are, what profession you're in. But he says the only piece of advice I'll give you is just be authentic. He says because because he knew we looked up to like Bobby Bones. He says you could. He said let's say that you could somehow create up a. a, a an image of almost like another Bobby Bones or another Ty Bentley. And let's say you pulled it off. He said, I don't think you could. But he said, let's say you pulled it off. He said, the day's going to come when authentic Chris comes out. He says, you cannot hide that. It's coming out. Whether it's a day, a year, it's coming out. But when it comes out, you'll lose every bit of your audience because they were attracted to fake Chris, not authentic Chris. You start out authentic and keep your show authentic. Then you'll you'll attract the right crowd. That's great advice because the people that uh, they're going to find you, and uh, you know you don't have to go looking for them. They're going to come find you, and uh, that is great advice. I'm glad you told me that. That's a great story. <laughs> now, you know, I really enjoyed this. I don't like to I don't like to take too much of people's time. We're coming to our last question. Um, is there a question out there that you kind of wish hosts like us would ask but never do? Wow. You know what? I think you guys cover the bases pretty well. <laughs> I can't think of another question. How about the answers? You know what? That's what we want to hear. Yeah, you because know, that last question we built our show around. You know, because, yeah. you know, again, you're, you're our 72nd um, interview this year. So we've had. 72 people answer that question. Mm. <laughs> so we've been able to kind of weed into this show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I tell you what, you guys did a great job. I mean, it was pleasurable to talk to you both. It was just uh, time went by really quick, and I really appreciate the opportunity, and God bless you for having me. Oh, we appreciate it. So tell tell everybody how here. they can reach out to you. You know, it's self-promotion time now. Tell everybody how they can reach you. <laughs> Okay, uh, you can go to timatwood.com, which will have tour schedules up, which right now are going to be pretty bare. But uh, uh, you can get information on booking, and you can find uh, CDs there and, and what's going on. There's always great clips. Like I said, there's there's new clips going up all the time. And then if you want to contact me on Facebook, it's Tim Atwood at uh, Facebook, and uh, you can go on there. There's always something new and ha- uh, great happening there. So, and uh, Roxanne does a great job. She cross promotes my site with her site, and uh, so yeah, just any of that stuff. And uh, you can find my music on Amazon or iTunes or uh, three or four different outlets. I'm not exactly sure of all of them. There again, Roxanne knows everything. I don't know enough. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And you know what? We yeah. really loved, enjoyed having you on, and we look forward to having you back down the road. Yes, we do. I would love to be there, and I hope to meet you in person one day. Oh, we will, because we'll be moving up there, too. so we look forward yeah. to it. And we and right, you have right. a blessed day. You talk too. To you thank you. Right, oh, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed the show today. 
be sure to look Tim Atwood up. He's really awesome. He's definitely going places, and he's been places. That's the cool part. Um, he's ha- had a heck of a career already. But anyway, we've got another show coming at you at 2 p.m. I mean, at 4 p.m. Eastern time. My bad. It's past 2. <laughs> but at 4 p.m. <laughs> and, <we will, laughs> and we will see you then.